0: Thank you for tuning in to The Mage as Well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey Majors, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. This week is all about the magical plant, Syrian Rue. Disclaimer, please research and read before working with this plant. It's toxic, especially to pregnant women, and reacts with medication. Also, I am not a medical practitioner. I'm going to be talking today about practices and rituals coming from the Middle East and that are very much being used today by those cultures. Now, I'm speaking about them because I think it's really important that we don't portray magic from a purely Eurocentric view. And that being said, I wouldn't feel comfortable just helping myself to these practices and incorporating them into my own. I'd ask you to think about whether this is applicable to you and to politely respect those cultures that you may not be part of. I said this on the sacred appropriation episode and I'll say it again. Accessibility doesn't equate to permission. Now, the official name for Syrian rue is peganum harmala and it often gets confused with the ordinary English rue. I'm going to call it harmala from here on out and it's commonly called esfand too. It can be found on the eastern Mediterranean, through the Middle East and then into Asia. Though it's thought to originate from the mountains of Iran, It's sometimes called Runeweed, for the fact that it's often found in deserted ancient cities in the Middle East, and it really thrives in deserts. Its corresponding element is fire, its planets Saturn and Mars, and the two goddesses heavily associated with it is Hecate and Diana. The seeds of this plant are particularly important, because they have been continuously used for thousands of years, and have been used in the rites of multiple cultures. This herb is incredibly sacred in Iran, where communities who lived along the caravan routes started calling the herb Esfand. In relation to a female angel of the earth named Spenta Armaiti, who appears in Zoastrianism, and has roots that go into prehistory, where she's an earth goddess. Now, Zoastrianism is a religion originating in Persia. It's one of the smallest religions in the world, but it's also one of the oldest and it heavily influenced the Abrahamic religions, i.e. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Now, Harmala is thought to be one of the components for one of the ancient immortality elixirs called Ha'oma, which only the gods could consume. This drink first appears in Persia's oldest religious text, called the Avesta, which said the drink derived from the plant with the same name, the name Ha'oma. Over time the identity of this plant has been lost, but it's recently been suggested that the mystery plant is in fact harmala. The religious texts specifically mention a hallucinogenic plant. Now harmala is the only plant that regionally fits the bill, and archaeologists have also confirmed that peoples around that same time were using this plant ritualistically. Haoma is still made today, inspired by historical and religious texts, though people tend to make the non psychoactive version. However, the desert tribes of Arabia make it with Hamala and the Acacia tree. Now, this combination delivers a chemical profile not the same, but similar to Ayahuasca. If you're not familiar with what this is, it's a shamanic drink filled with psychoactive ingredients. Most users report having life-changing insights revealed to them. Only, it's become problematic over the years, as it's gained in popularity. Western tourists go on ayahuasca holidays, and the brew has become a popular buzzword. It's become an industry, and it has all the connotations associated with it. You might remember that I spoke about Kaikion back in Hecate's episode. It was a sacred drink consumed around the Eleusian mysteries. There's a suggestion that that was made with harmala as well. Some ancient scholars have attributed this plant to Kirke's favourite herb, mole, the identity of which still remains unknown. The plant is also thought to have played a role in the dyeing of Persian carpets. The seeds when soaked in alcohol produce a dye today known as Persian or Turkish red. Soaked in water, they produce a fluorescent yellow. Harmala is thought to have played a role in carpet production in alternative ways, shall we say. It's thought that the geometric patterns on the carpets were inspired by hallucinations from this plant, as well as the flying carpet myth found in various Arabic tales. People have even speculated that the red fez of the swirling dervishes may have caused the absorption of psychoactive substances as the Harmala Persian red dye ran from the sweat of the dervishes and into their skin. It is believed that Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci experimented with the herb. In fact, da Vinci often gave it high praise in his writings. Shakespeare, he also wrote about it, but we don't know if he used it. It was also revered by the mystery schools of Petra and Egypt. And curiously enough, the pollen of the plant has been found on the Holy Shroud of Turin. Magical Uses The seeds have heavily been used for medicine and for rituals. Medieval Arabic herbalists used it as an aphrodisiac and to help treat epilepsy. It's being studied today and there's a few promising results that have come out in relation to treating or managing diabetes, leukemia, parasites and tumours to name a few. In Turkey, it's commonly hung up to ward off evil. In Morocco, the seeds are kept in amulet bags to scare away gins and those are like demonic genies. And the seeds can be used to do a powerful smoke cleanse. Now burning it, it was very common in the ancient world and it still is today. In Iran, it's used during funerals and Nowruz, also known as the Persian New Year. Now, vast quantities of the seeds are burnt to ward away evil during these occasions. It's also quite customary in Iran, and by Iranians, to burn these seeds when they feel they've come under the influence of the evil eye. It's quite common for people to hide their victories and successes from those who may be jealous of their success because jealousy is one of the ways to inflict the evil eye on someone and it's usually casts through someone's malicious glare that will cause the victim misfortune and misery. I have read a few accounts where people who have been complimented, particularly on their beauty, will quickly go and burn harmala to mitigate the jealousy and ward off the evil eye. When burnt, the seeds will pop like popcorn and release a scent. That this scent has been said to repel cats, and in the medieval world, as cats were seen as witches' familiars, the plant was said to ward off witches as well. I came across a Zoroastrian prayer that you would read as Harmola seeds are being burnt, and you circle the smoke around your head. And it goes Esfand, stop evil, with King Nuxibun's command. Eyes of none, eyes of relatives, eyes of friends, eyes of enemies, burn in this glowing fire. And King Nokshaband was a Persian king, and he learnt this prayer from female protective spirits, and he told his people how to use this plant. And Esfand, as we've said, is another name for Hamala, or I found another and it goes, Esfand and Esfand seeds, 33 seeds, eyes of means, eyes of none, eyes of enemies, eyes of the jealous one, burn in this crackling fire. And I guess it says 33 seeds, because I guess you would burn 33 seeds for this particular spell or ritual. Now, Mothsum Asgarov, a seller of Hamala, collects it from remote places to ensure its power. Quote, Where the roosters crow cannot be heard. When people around you smell this smoke, they are stripped of the ability to cause you harm. After that, spread the ash on your forehead and neck. This will banish black energy from your blood vessels. The people of Hunza are located in northern Pakistan. The Bertans, their type of shaman, inhale the smoke along with juniper to enter a trance so they can commune with the pari. And now the pari, they're kind of like a local mountain fairy or spirit. The seed pods often get strung together to make what is called a panja. Napanjas are hung outside the houses in Iran, as well as Bedouin tents in the Middle East, to reflect the evil eye and to ward away evil generally. Today in Turkey, a brew is made from the seeds and drunk with cannabis, which Linnaeus, a famous botanist, described the effect as, "...it makes sight blind and increases the power of imagination." The Egyptians recognized its usefulness in terms of the evil eye and named it Besasa, the plant of Bes, referring to the Egyptian dwarf god who oversaw protection against evil. Now his statues were often cleansed with Harmala, and residues have actually been found in the mummified remains of the ancient Egyptians. Vats of wine with his image on were called Besakions, leaving some to speculate that Harmala was added to the wine. The seeds played a role in facilitating childbirth and helped with libido. Both of these things Bess also ruled over. A common blend that was heavily used in North Africa for purification is harmala, salapati tree resin and frankincense. The Badol tribe, they conduct ceremonies similar to the Native American sweat lodge ceremonies, but they use harmala seeds to create a vapor in the fires which is then inhaled and that is said to aid with the ceremony as well as the ritual. Majors, my sugar pot spell. It's ready. We can lift off, and I want your cup to overrunneth. Sugar pot spells are traditionally used to sweeten your life and bring joy, and who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I do. Subscribe with the link in the description, and you can be added. What are you waiting for? There's no time to lose. <laughs> According to Badol and Amaran tribes, the Harmala plant was originally a woman. Hamda, meaning praise, lived with her brother and his wife and was in charge of herding sheep. Whilst doing so, she would give her food away to orphans and to those who needed it. To combat her hunger, she tied rolls of wool to her stomach. After a while of doing this, her figure changed under her clothes. Her sister-in-law accused Hamda of falling pregnant and bringing shame upon the family, which could only be taken away by the death of Hamda. Hamda's brother wasn't convinced at first of his wife's accusations, but his wife convinced him that Hamda had moved back and forth between the shade all day, claiming that that was a sign of pregnancy. After some convincing, he decided to put her to a test. Why Hamda didn't show them the lamb's wool, I'm not sure. He instructed Hamda to pick fleas from his hair. Grim. But the sister-in-law had poisoned Hamda to make her restless. Hamda asked to move to the shade, and in a few minutes would ask to move back to the sun, once again stepping in and out of the shade. This was from her distress from the poison. That night her brother and his wife plotted to kill Hamda. The brother and Hamda travelled into the desert the next day, where he had secretly laid a blanket over a dried well. He tricked her into sitting on the blanket and into the well she fell. The brother then piles dead bushes and wood over the mouth of the well and lit it. Job done. He went home, back to his wife. But Hamda was saved. Snakes emerged from her still-poisoned stomach and put the flames out, which then magically transformed into a paradise. Hamda missed her brother in her exile. Hamda needs to pick up the clue phone, if you ask me. Like, come on. So she made him a necklace of beads and asked the crow to take them to him. The brother twigs that she's still alive and feels guilty for what he's done and for what he's put her through. So he asked the wife to pack some food, not telling her his intentions in case she poisoned it, and he went back to the well. But his wife was suspicious and just for good measure, rolled some of the food in camel dung and ashes to conceal the smell. When Hamda's brother returned to the well, he tried coaxing Hamda out, but Hamda was a little worried and didn't trust her brother in case he had come back to finish the job. She eventually comes out and he gives her the food, but she sees the ash and realise it's been poisoned and they realise the wife's evilness and ride back. The wife saw them coming and realised her plan had failed. She set a spell to save herself, but it didn't work. The earth opened up and swallowed her to the neck. Her husband cut her head off and cursed her, saying she can become a bush so vile that even donkeys aren't interested in eating it. And so the Peganum Harmala was created, and the plant and seeds are so bitter that very few animals can stomach it. Now this is a very strange story, and I feel I should mention that I could only find one account of it, which could be due to the fact that the Badol and the Amarin tribes are nomadic and record most of their history and stories orally, but it's worth keeping that in mind. There's also a lot of odd points and a few details that pipped my interest my take on it is that it's a kind of manual on how to use this plant i could be wrong but we have hamda hungry which suggests you must fast if you want to use this plant now how i've justified this is that fasting plays a large role in some strains of shamanism now the shamans of these tribes are called Fagara, which means weak and this comes from the fact that they abstain heavily from meals and they don't have a lot of body mass The wool? That is a strange one, and I struggle with this. I saw it as maybe it's a sign of the protective qualities of the plant, or maybe it's symbolizing that pregnant women shouldn't use it. We've got elements of poisoned food, so maybe certain foods will interact with it badly. There's also the moving between the sun and the shade, which you could mark as like an astrological time of when to take this herb. Or maybe it's an indication for how long you should fast before you work with the plant. I couldn't find the exact number of times she passes in and out of the shade, so I'm not too sure. Next we've got the fire which transforms the area into paradise, now that to me says very clearly by smoking or inhaling the fumes it can induce hallucinations and that is quite common to work with this plant, although you would have to inhale a lot. Also, we've got the snakes, which from the other week's episode, the Healing Magic one, we know that a lot of cultures saw them as healing, and given that they play a role in creating the paradise, it says to me that these visions that the plant gives can heal on some level. In this part of the world, snakes are consumed. Now, one particular shaman called Salem prescribes patients a mixture of three ground snakes and a python made into a paste. And this is to be taken along with the abstinence from certain foods, and the patient must be kept warm. Snakes are often found under the harmala plants, hunting for food. So we have this link of snakes and protection and and warm. There's there's a lot of strange, subtle hints here. Also, when the brother comes back, there's no reference to Paradise. She's back in the well. Hamda has definitely been tripping. Finally, we've got the wife, whose spells don't work, which also hints at the plant's anti-magic properties. And she's clearly been trying to cast an evil eye through her jealousy of Hamda, which hasn't worked, it's been repelled. So, that's my interpretation, I mean I could be wrong, but if you've got any ideas, give me a shout. And I just want to stress again, this herb is highly toxic, it is not appropriate to take internally, even though shamans within the Middle East do. It is not something I would recommend and it's not something that should be played with. So please don't take my interpretations as permission to go ahead and do it. I am not encouraging that. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path. I also want to connect you to information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors Well community, as well as being in the communal sugar pot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple podcasts and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you'd wish to share at themageswell at gmail.com and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork and to Cecily Klim for editing. And the poem that I'm going to leave you with is called Dream Passion by Nahid. I pass days and nights with your memories. Because of you, I wear my golden dress, my friend. I stand in front of the mirror with a passion. I use fresh mascara in my eyes, my friend. And I make my eyebrows like the half-moon. For you, I wear the veil of my dream, my friend. My poor heart, I am not used to separation. All my body becomes eyes and waits, my friend. I imagine seeing you in my neighborhood or somewhere outside. Because of my love to see you, I watch everything. I am afraid for people to know that I am beautiful i hide myself behind the walls my friend if mother comes and asks where i was i make a hundred excuses one after another my friend when you come with all your beauty and fairness i bring esfand for you my friend peace out witches